What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the Two Man Power Trip. Chad and John, the Two Man Power Trip. That's uh, that's an awesome uh, name for yourselves. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, John. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Scotty Riggs, and you're listening to the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. Hey, man. What's up, guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie. Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it. <laughs> hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. Well, thank you. Thank you. Hear me. Fear me. What's going on, guys? This is a 7-foot, 330-pound DNA of TNA. That's right. My DNA is outer space. And you're listening to the two-man power trip of professional wrestling. You know, I, I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know 10 times more than I do. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. This is the two-man power trip of wrestling brought to you today and powered by our very own ProWrestlingTees.com t-shirt store. You can get the official t-shirt of the two-man power trip of wrestling podcast over at ProWrestlingTees.com. And of course, if you haven't been there by now, ProWrestlingTees.com has the greatest selection of professional wrestling shirts sold by wrestlers for wrestlers that you could possibly imagine and head over there and support the two-man power trip of wrestling, but more about that later on. And with that being said, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, Primetime, John Paz. And John, we are joined by a true trailblazer today, and that is a man who is promoting a big match coming up this Sunday at Old School Championship Wrestling in Hanahan, South Carolina, against our boy, Kevin Thorne. We are welcomed by the leader of the brood, the great vampire warrior Gangrel joins the show tonight, and I guess one place we can start is the impact that Gangrel had on the Attitude Era, because when you think about a couple of those characters that really stand out, Gangrel is pretty much right at the top of the list. Absolutely, Chad, and it's so funny because when you really look at it, a couple of guys in the Attitude Era stick out more than others for certain. I mean, obviously, you know, you got the Stone Coles and the Rocks of the world, but when you think about the attitude era and you look back, it's always on my mind, and I know it's always on a ton of the fans' mind. It's like Gangrel, Venus, the Godfather. A couple guys really has cool characters, and then everyone kind of gravitates towards Gangrel because the vampire gimmick was so interesting, so intriguing, and at that point, so different and something that we've seen before and in wrestling. So that was really, really cool to get into, and I love diving into the Attitude Era because obviously it's one of the hottest eras ever in the history of the business. Oh yeah, totally is, and of course the WWE Network 
having the Attitude Era content literally coming out week by week, and they're putting up full years of Monday Night Raw, something that I think during the Attitude Era we could never have possibly imagined because it would take us week after week after week to amass the tapes. Just to even go buy the tapes would have been a hell of an effort. But we get to see the Attitude Era live on, and Gangrel really points out that that is a huge part of his success because when you think about independent wrestling and you think about seeing you know, your favorite old-school superstar, I wouldn't necessarily say Gangrel is old-school, but he could possibly be one of the most hardest-working men in professional wrestling. Oh, no doubt about it. It's crazy uh, how many shows he does and where he's him popping up. I mean, we talk about an interview. He's working a show in Portland. He's doing a show in Vegas. He's doing something in Florida. And this weekend, obviously, the big show down there in uh, South Carolina. But also, he's got a couple shots here in New Jersey as well. So it's crazy. He's one of the hardest working man men in the business, and you gotta love him for it because that's kind of that old school mentality. It's like you work, work, work until you, know, you can't work anymore kind of thing. And yeah, you know, he loves traveling. He loves working on these spots. He loves seeing the fans. So that's always great to hear. And it definitely does ring true that he's definitely old school. Oh yeah, he's old school to say the least. And one cool thing about him being, I, you know what, I'm going to contradict what I said. I wouldn't necessarily call him old school, but he's from the old school because that character just really transcends that vampire character. Really kind of can carry over into really any era but somebody he did mention that he's got obviously a long history with and that is his late great former wife uh luna vachon i thought very poignant what he said about luna's legacy because she's not really given the just due that she should and i know we can say that about a lot of performers but really luna vachon was so different and it was great to hear especially from her husband that he really feels like her legacy needs to be accentuated a lot more to present day wrestling fans. And I totally, totally agree. And, and you know, he, the little hat tip by Medusa at her speech was, you know, it was, it was it was good. It was a little bit, but it wasn't quite enough. And he's totally right. Luna gave more to the business than the business gave to her, and kind of should be remembered more than she really truly is. As we talk about it, she was more the anti diva, the more the you know, old school mentality as far as that fabulous move, the worker, uh, the women are just as, as good as wrestlers as the men and everything else. And I feel like perhaps in a way with this new generation of these women wrestlers that are coming in WWE and, and really making a mark for themselves, it's kind of going towards that Luna Vachon way, you know, that, that style of wrestling that she had. But she also had that unique, cool character that really, really made her stand out above basically all the other women. Yeah, totally, and uh, it's really a shame that she isn't given that credit that she deserves, and I'm sure if you went through, and actually a lot of those performers now, you know, your pages, who's got, she's got such a, a lineage in wrestling, and I've even heard, you know, that Becky Lynch is uh, very much so into the history of women's professional wrestling, and if that's true, definitely got to tip your hat to Luna without a doubt. Now, one thing before we get it over to the interview and before you hit him with some two-man power trip of wrestling business is I know when we were talking before we got on here to record is that something really caught you off guard when we talk about Gangrel's history because a lot of fans want to think about that WWF tenure and it's easy to do it because it was his most, you know, really spotlighted time in the business. But what really stood out to you about the conversation with Gangrel and what he really just got him going to talk about one certain aspect of his career? Absolutely, and that was all Japan Pro Wrestling. He was in there as the Blackhearts, and he had a, quite a run there. And 
if you, you know you go back and you can get any of that footage or you know read up on it or whatever you got to do, wrestled some of the greatest of the greats. He had the Kawadas, the Masawas, the Kobashis, Hanson, Spivey, Williams, Gordy. I mean, I can go on forever. Furnace and Crawford. I mean, geez Louise, what a run. And I didn't really know, like we said, we talked about beforehand, how much you know invested he was into all Japan. But like he said, probably his favorite place to work. He loved Puerto Rico as well, but probably his favorite place to work and most memorable time in his career because he wrestled in the hottest territory at, the, at that point. And it was the best wrestling, and, and it was just a perfect storm in all Japan at that point. And he loved working for Giant Baba, and he tells an awesome Johnny Ace story, which, of course, comes with a great impression of Johnny Ace, which we absolutely love. <laughs> so, I mean, the all Japan stuff it just really stuck out to me, and I was surprised that he loved it as much because, you know, I love talking about it on the show. And obviously, we had Joe Malenko on the show. We had uh, Joel Deaton. We had Richard Slinger. We had Stan Hansen. We had Spivey. And we all love talking about All Japan Pro Wrestling. But I wasn't so sure Gangrel. I thought he might go more towards you know, the, the attitude era in the WWF. But he really, really loved his time in All Japan. And uh, you got to admire him for it because All Japan, without a doubt, you know, in my opinion, was one of the best leagues ever. Oh yeah, without a doubt, and to say the least, and every guy we've had on that's been to All Japan, they have so many hilarious things that really stand out, and it's almost funny to see how all these guys' genes all really have the same things. They talk about Mrs. Baba, they talk about Johnny Ace, they all seem to have a Johnny Ace story, but it's just really cool uh, that all these guys still have these great memories all these years later, and want to talk about memories, let's talk about this coming Sunday, the first ever meeting of Vampire versus Vampire. Now, you've heard Kevin Thorne on our show. Go back and listen to his first appearance. He talks all about his really proposed team with Gangrel that never made it to television, and it was very, very close, and we get Gangrel's take on it, but this Sunday in Hanahan, South Carolina for OSCW Old School Championship Wrestling, it's the first time Kevin Thorne and Gangrel are going to face one-on-one, -on -one. and I know Gangrel is looking forward to it, I know Kevin Thorne is looking forward to it, and John, just as you hit him with a little two-man power trip of wrestling business and you throw it over to the interview, what do you think about this legendary matchup finally coming to fruition? Vampire versus Vampire, first time ever. Almost the uh, student versus teacher when you think about it. Absolutely, and it's really, really cool that it's finally going down. And it's funny that we've talked to several fans about this, you know, from from you know, all around the globe and we were all saying like how come they never wrestle each other because you know they're supposed to team in the new ecw and maybe shelly was going to be involved and and like, that would have been cool you know mentor teacher thing and then we're like how come they never wrestled one-on-one -on -one? how come this never came to fruition so it's just absolutely awesome that this sunday that it's actually going down it's actually going to happen and it felt like a long time coming because you know quite frankly it is a, you know, a long time coming now, if I could, Chad, I want to go right into the TMPT business. You can follow us on Twitter at Wrestling Pal and at Two Man Power Trip. You can like us on Facebook. Also, check out our website, tmptofwrestling.com. That is tmptofwrestling.com. You can subscribe to us on YouTube. You will see the latest and greatest clips from our show. Also, please subscribe to us on iTunes. Check out the feed. Also, while you're there, check out 
some uh, some reviews and uh, some feedback from the fans. We'd love for our fans to give us uh, some feedback. We'd love to read some more reviews, so please do that. And also, while you're there, check out the feed for some prior great episodes with the late, great American Dream Dusty Rhodes, Stan the Lariat Hansen, Harley Race, Kevin Thorne, Renee Dupree, The 187 Homicide, and so, so, so many more. Also, you can check us out on the I-95 Sports Network. And don't forget our Pro Wrestling Tea Store. And also, Kevin Thorne's Pro Wrestling Tea Store. You can become a member of the Bike Club. And also, speaking of Kevin Thorne, if you're looking to book him, please email us at bookings at tmptofwrestling.com. That is bookings at tmptofwrestling.com. And while you're about to email us about Kevin Thorne, if you have a question for the great Rene Dupree, we will be doing a part three with him. And this is a uncensored, unsanctioned Q&A with all the questions coming from the fans. So please email us, bookings at tmptofwrestling.com with your questions. We've got quite a few good ones, quite a few laughable ones, and quite a few intense questions so far. So please email us, and we will read your questions on the air. Now, without any further ado, we send it off to a staple of the Attitude Era, a man that is a former USWA Southern Heavyweight Champion. He's been there, he's done that, he's wrestled all around the globe. You may know him as the Vampire Warrior. We know him as Gangrel. He is also David Heath. Please enjoy. going on guys how you doing uh, we're doing awesome and of course we're here to talk about old school championship wrestling OSCW this coming weekend in Hanahan South Carolina the meeting of the vampires Gangrel versus Kevin Thorne vampire versus vampire it's going to be an absolutely huge show and I know you and Kevin have quite a history uh, dating back to uh, a proposed tag team that nearly came to fruition. But what do you think about this show coming up? It's going to be a big one. First time you two are ever meeting one-on-one. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully I survived that big, big fella there. <laughs> Getting in there with him. He's, 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 he's known to throw some letty hands around. But um, <laughs> I'm actually looking forward to it. Uh, we did tag for a little while in Canada, so uh, I've got to see uh, – what well, a minister society he can be in the ring to people there. <laughs> I watched him just grab people and power bomb them and make up moves to them and stuff. So I'm uh, looking forward to see how this is going to go. Um, I mean, yeah, it's Battle of the Vampires, right? So 
the battle of the mainstream vampires. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Oh, totally. I don't think people really know how big he is until you're really up next to him because he is quite a menacing fella. But then you throw the uh, the vampire dynamic into it. And, of course, like I said off the top, you know, if you think vampire gimmicks in professional wrestling, you think of Gangrel. And with the two of you coming together and, you know, this proposed tag team uh, that we had Kevin on originally months and months ago, and he was talking about an idea about you guys coming into WWE as a team kind of before he was brought to TV as Kevin Thorne. Um, but what do you think about the, the actual vampire, you know, gimmick and being that as a, uh, as a persona in professional wrestling? Because obviously you were the one who brought it to fruition. So what do I think about it? Like, like, what do you well, think about I, how it's the perfect character? Well, I think it was just a perfect storm period with the uh, uh, the character. Uh, you know, I took it from the uh, Lost Boys. So, you know, I've been wrestling, um, doing a vamp- wrestling as a vampire warrior or whatnot since, what, 1990? I started it down in Puerto Rico. And I was watching the movie The Lost Boys. So that's, that's why I pulled it from there. But as in WWE, it was just kind of a perfect storm with the ring music, the, the entrance, the fire, the timing of all the the Blade movies and all that other kind of stuff coming out. And then it was just like a perfect storm. And then and then it, it, it just turns out the attitude there was so hot that people just, just they, they, they remember the character. So it's a blessing. I stay so busy out there wrestling. But um, everywhere I go, you know, they, they, they always ask me, either you going to tag with Kevin Thorne or when are you going to wrestle Kevin Thorne, you know. And, you know, it's either if that's the only other question he asks is when's the brood getting back together. <laughs> other than that, it's always it's always the Kevin Thorne one. And uh, so I mean, it's finally uh, going to happen here uh, down in, down in little town in South Carolina. I mean, um, yeah, I heard there's quite a buzz going on about it, and, and it's, it's uh, being built up well. So uh, I mean, I, I have no idea what's going to happen. I am looking forward to it. I'm coming off a busy weekend at, here, and um, like I said, I'm very blessed to be working as much as I am and stuff like that. And and uh, I, I don't know what to expect. I, I know Kevin, you know, one minute he can uh, be the nicest guy in the world. The next minute he can rip your throat out. And, you know, so you never know. <laughs> oh, without a doubt. Yeah, and you are really, you're one of the busiest performers out there. And it is really cool to see that you have such a, you still, it's just such a great uh, presentation, and to see all the shows that you're doing, uh, you were just in the UK over the past week, and you know, here we go from the UK back into the states, and you know, you're you're heading down to South Carolina, you're heading to New Jersey, you're heading all over the place. But what's it like traveling these days and hitting all these places and really bringing professional wrestling to uh, a little bit of a smaller circuit, but being the guy that really stands out like you do? Well, it's it's awesome. You know, a lot of people say, "Aren't you ever tired of traveling?" Because Literally, I went from Portland, from Portland back to Florida for one day. Flew to Vegas, taped Vegas TV so that Paragon Pro Wrestling. Jumped the flight to England. I did uh, 14 shows in 15 days. Flew right back and was home one day, and then flew to uh, Portland again and just did the TV there. And then came home, and then I got a double shot Friday night. And I got a signing Saturday morning, and a double shot Saturday night, and then I got the Battle of the Vampires Sunday afternoon. So um, it's it's awesome. I, I I probably travel more than I did when I was in WWF at the time, but um, but it, it's flattering. It's awesome to, like you said, to, you're asking me about going to the smaller areas and bringing wrestling in there, and the fans, the the, the fans are just um, is really what keeps you working, right? They, if there was no fans, you, you you couldn't go out and do what you do, to, what you love for a living. So you know, I think I couldn't thank the fans enough, you know, but to go there and then they show their support and 
they come out and, you know, and they, they still pop when you spray the blood and the Impaler DDT and all that. And they're still, they're still in it just like you never left. You're like in a little time warp, but just in a smaller venue. And, um, but it's, I just really, it's really flattering and I, I just feel really, really grateful. And, and um, it's just an awesome experience. And when you think about your career and everything, everyone remembers the Attitude Era, no matter what. It's one of the most remembered and sought after and talked about and polarizing era in the history of the business. Do you love the fact that, you know, you were such a huge part of the Attitude Era? Um, yeah, I, I do. I mean, WWF was never, uh, never like, like a goal goal. You know, it was always cool because I was with Luna and uh, she was always like, oh, you want to go there? But, you know, there was other places like Japan. I really, really loved Japan. But and um, at, at the same time, I had a choice to, to stay with All Japan and do a year contract with Baba in 98 or uh, go with WWF. And Luna talked to me into going with the WWF one. And then I, I, in the long run, that was probably the, the, the best move because the Attitude Era just blew up right there in 98, you know. And then wrestling, you know, that's probably... If I went to Japan, I probably still wouldn't be wrestling today. You know, the attitude there, it's kept me flowing, and it was just so huge that, you know, a lot of the guys aren't out there working anymore. So, it, you know, a few of the guys that still can work and get out there, you know, there's so much work for us, and, and it's just great. Now, with the attitude error, it's crazy how much it's remembered and how much it's sought after, but how much influence did you have on your gimmick as far as the entrance and the music and everything else? Well, they told me, Vince McMahon himself told me he would never use a vampire character. He said, I, I'm not using the vampire character. It was Vince Russo that somehow, when he had a little bit of control, slid it in there. Because when they signed me, they told me, hey, don't get upset or nothing. We're just going to send you home. You're probably going to sit for a year. Don't this and that. Don't worry. So I was under contract for like a week. And then they called me and said, hey, can you can you still do the vampire thing? You know, this Vince Russo. I said, sure, I could. So he, he came up with that. The uh, interest that all happened on a on a Friday night and it debuted on a Sunday, you know, or a Monday. So it, it happened over a weekend. They, they came up with the lift, the stage, the fire. What what I had the influence on was you know, the outfit, the goblet, the spraying of the blood. But but the uh, you know the, the the entrance and the ring and the fire that was all been true. So you know, it's because we're, we're all Kiss fans too. So it was like all kind of a tribute to Kiss. <laughs> hmm. That is absolutely great, and and it's funny because you said about all Japan and worked for Giant Bob and stuff. I mean, the Blackhearts with you and, and Nash, they definitely are remembered, but obviously the Gangrel gimmick kind of just is it's never going to be forgotten. It's almost like Balvinus also everyone associates him with the attitude. Ever. I mean, there's there's those and the Godfather, there's gimmicks that just they just yeah. land, you know stand the test of time. Do you just love that? You know, thinking like thinking back or or just looking like man, I really really left a huge imprint on the business. And it was only because, and not, not not saying it was a short amount of time, but that specific period in the Attitude Era was, you know, basically three years. Mm -hmm. Well, it it really was a short amount of time for me because, you know, technically I probably only had like a, a year run of um, TV matches and stuff because when I went out with that neck injury with the broken neck, I was out a year. So, I mean, it really was short run. So it was amazing, and and um, I, I never really, to you said it really sat back and thought that I leave a footprint. I just always thought, wow, man, I'm blessed to be working all the time. <laughs> just, uh, but, um, uh, yeah, no, it, it's, it's so wild. And, and you do have, a, you know, a career. I mean, I started out with the Blackhearts, right? And that was, uh, well, I really started out, yeah, I was the Blackhearts went to Stampede and then went to All Japan. 
And from there, me and my partner had a falling out, and he went back to all Japan with somebody else and got the heck beat out of him. <laughs> like, hmm. I don't know if you ever seen that match with Stan Hansen and Spivey. It's, uh, if you ever get bored, you want to see something gruesome, watch that. <laughs> and then um, I ended up going to Puerto Rico, and that's when I started doing the vampire thing. It's like 1990, started doing it. It's called a Vampire, vampire Warrior, Rapido Guerrero. And uh, from there, you know, I never, you know, I just you know, I was talking to WWF at the whole time, but they were just not interested and nobody ever seen it. And then I think I had a tryout in 93 and, uh, Jerry Lawler, he saw something and he goes, Oh, I like it. I dig it. You want to come to Memphis? So I ended up going to Memphis and working there as that. And then, um, you know, and it slowly just kept evolving and learning gimmick and, uh, you know, just trying to get it to where I wanted it. I kept trying to tell him, this is a cool group of guys, you know, like the brute. He said, you don't have to win. You don't have to win. You just got to look good doing it. You just got to be cool doing it. I mean, I'm telling you, people like it. And they're like, well, we don't, we don't see that. <laughs> we, don't, we don't see what you're seeing. But uh, eventually, they got the idea. And it wasn't like they were trying to push it or anything. It just kept getting over. You know, they actually kept trying to kill it. If you, if you really look at the angles and where they went, went in the ministry, out of the ministry, through the ministry, they got beat by everybody. I don't know if the brew really won anything. We might have beat Public Enemy once. <laughs> 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 Poor Public Enemy, rest in peace. Love those guys. <laughs> Public Enemy, great, great uh, rest of career, definitely legends. And it's funny that you said that because, you know, everyone remembers the Brood and not specifically remembering, you know, like you said, losing all those matches and everything. So it's a very interesting, you know, way people remember certain things. And I think the bloodbath, I think it had a lot to do with it because people thought that was so different and so cool. Was that something that you came up with or was that another, you know, crazy Russo idea that seemed to work? No, no, um, that was me and Ed sitting there talking one day and uh, we both had watched the movie Blade. He goes, you see that? When, in the beginning when the lights flashed, it was like a rave and it said bloodbath. He goes, that'd be cool if we could do that. I said, yeah, let's figure out how to do that. So that one was uh, me and Edge on that one there. We just we just ripped it out of the movie Blade. I don't know if you've seen Blade in the be- towards the beginning of the movie where they they're all in this like meat warehouse party or something, and the sprinklers come on, and it's blood, and the lights are flashing at the DJ booth. This is bloodbath. <laughs> That's very 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 cool and, and and so memorable. And obviously on WWF TV, it was, it was so memorable doing the attitude there, especially when they were stretching things and, and doing things uh, you know a little bit edgier than, than they had done in the past. What was it like with the Brood himself? Because Christian, super underrated talent, and then of course Edge, who you know went on to become this big time star. Right, Edge was uh, their man from the get go. I mean, they basically told me that you know, make sure everybody liked him, you know, bring him in, guide him along. That was basically my job. Christian, he slid in there, and Christian is is underrated. Like, um, I wasn't always a Christian fan, but I, I was a fan of that. He could put a match together like no other. That kid could put, he could take a match and make anybody look good. And still get his stuff in, you know. <laughs> he can, and, so he would have a great match. And um, I believe he's like right up there as one of the, uh, you know, I, I think you know, could call a great match for anybody. And um, but yeah, I, you know, he's a little smaller. They, you know, he, he's always, you know, he questioned everything, but it was good to question that. that, that, that that's who he was. And um, but um. But yeah, he was underrated, and uh, Edge was the man from the get-go. They knew before before he had any character, they didn't know what to do with him. I was basically the vampire thing was there to shuttle Edge in, and, and and then the brood was born out of that. You know, they must have shown a lot of faith in you and the worker that you were and the veteran you were. You know that they thought very highly of him, and they're 
beginning to put him with you, and then you guys would have a feud, and you'll kind of basically marry you guys together. Is that kind of a, you know, somewhat of, of an honor that, like, oh, they think a lot of this guy, and they're pairing him with me? Well, I never thought of it, but thank you for pointing that out. I mean, <laughs> I never, I never really thought. I just, I was just happy to be uh, wrestling all the time and, and on the road, just living the dream, you know, just, uh, just living that rock star lifestyle. I, it, 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 it was just awesome. Time flew by so quick. You didn't, you didn't realize how much, how quick it went. You know, all the years in wrestling. I mean, started in '87, uh, '88, and I, you know, the years are just. I can't even tell you where they went, but they were all good. And you know what's funny about your career, and I don't know if, you know, you maybe saw this, but I don't know if a lot of fans out there realize, all Japan when you were there, hot, mm-hmm. you know, mega hot, oh. huge. I mean, it had the best, some of the best wrestlers ever. I mean, Stan Hansen, uh, my guy, you thought you said Spivey. Kawada, Masawa, Furnace, and Crawford, Malinko Brothers, <laughs> and on, and on and on and on. Kabashi, yeah. You could literally go on all day and, and just mention all these awesome guys. Is it crazy you were part of that and then you go to, to WWF and you were part of that with Stone Cold and The Rock and, and Foley and, and all those guys and it became even hotter? Yeah, a, lot, a lot of people ask me, well, what's, what's your most memorable moment in wrestling? And um, they, they expect to hear something with WWF orientated or something. But it really it goes all the way back to the, when, when I was, 20 years old, trying to find my way to Japan and survive stuff, and it um, was just, um, it was in Budokan Hall, you know, it, uh, it was Budokan Hall with Crawford and Furnace. I remember Johnny Ace coming up, oh, I lost money on you, and I'm like, what are you talking about? Oh, I bet them they couldn't carry you 30 minutes in that match, and they did, you know? <laughs> but, you know, so it was a great moment in my head, they got defeated a little bit, but at the same time, I was like, it didn't matter. It, like, just they carried us through such a great match with the All Asian uh, belt and it's live in the Budokan. And, and uh, I just never felt that feeling yet. Nothing's ever touched that, that night there. That That's when uh, I realized that there's something purely magical about pro wrestling. And, and I was just blessed and awesome to be a part of it. <laughs> and it's funny you mention it because we talked, to, obviously, we, we had Stan Hansen, we talked to him about all and we talked to Del Wilkes about it, we talked to Joel Deaton about it. It's funny, like people. I don't know if they they forget it or they don't realize it. They all were saying like that was that was it. That's the hotbed. You know that that is where you wanted to be if you were you know wanted to be one of the best in the world. So all Japan obviously was, was left a big impression on your career. Did you think at the time like man, this you know this is just unbelievable that I'm in here with all these guys? Well, I, I never I never even um, you know when I went to when I went to Calgary and everything I drove to Calgary drove back and I'd never flown on a plane before. Then I was going all Japan and it was a long plane flight this and this and that. That flight probably felt like five minutes knowing I was going there to meet those assassins, you know. <laughs> just terrified, you know, Masawa and Kawada and the tag, you know. Like I don't belong here, I'm so out of my element. We just had a couple of flashy moves, we had no idea what where to where to put the moves and why to put them. And we're going over there, and these guys put years in the job, you know, Hanson, Spivey, all these guys. And the, 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 uh, Gordy and Williams was epic over there at that point. They were, it was just insane when they would come out to the ring. And, um, you know, here you are just a few years in the business, and you got lucky because Miss Baba likes you, you got a gimmick. So, so not, not only are you, are you lucky to be there, but you also felt cursed because Miss Baba likes you, but all those guys have done all these years, and they know you don't belong there. And, you know, they've got probably friends and other colleagues at the time, the job that they thought deserved that job. So you always had to 
best there or this uneasy feeling, you know, and um, I wouldn't change it for the world. You know, I, I, I just did the few tours. Like I said, me and my partner had a falling out, and he went back, and then uh, I ended up working for all the small companies like, you know, IWA, the Monster Companies, the Wings, all that. And, I mean, I did, uh, I think I did near 18 tours in Japan, and then finally in 98, I got to go back to all Japan and was in shape and I lost weight and had abs and everything. And when I went back there, I got off the plane and, and, um, and one of the greatest moments besides Budokan all is when I redeemed myself there and they offered me like a year contract and, and um, everything. And everything just seemed right in the world. It felt full circle, you know. It started there. Um, it didn't get along with my partner. Things went sideways. It was young, green, and all this and that. And then got to go full circle, come back, prove myself, and then earn a job there and, and, and a spot there. And, and like I said, WWF, none of that stuff touches that. Those all Japan moments, you know, and uh, and that that's just something magical. Yeah, you go back and you watch some of those matches. I mean, five star matches, five star matches. Everyone's giving it their all. Uh, it's more realistic. It's more snug. It's more stiff. Whatever you want to call it, a strong style. It's just it's awesome. But you mentioned uh, and you did a great impression of uh, Johnny Ace, and, and it's funny we talked all, all the old Japan guys and. They all always have an opinion of Johnny Ace, whether it be good or bad. What's your kind of impression of Johnny Ace? I, he's all right with me. I think he hired and fired me like three times. <laughs> Different ways, you know. He was in uh, in 98 when he came and told me, uh, you know, he's the one who told me that WWF was going to hire me. And he, he came to me and told me that Bob has offered me the contract because he was playing two sides at the time because he's getting ready to jump at WWF. So, so eventually, he's the one that booked me on that tour in '98, and then he told me about WWF and Bruce Pritchard on him. And then he was eventually the one that let me go when I was in WWF. Um, Johnny, I've always I've known him since man, I've known him since I was 17 or 18, 17. You know, being the Florida Boys, uh, uh, well, he was he, he came down, but he was living in like Palm Harbor, and I'd I'd always see him training, training the same gym with him and stuff, and was training uh, boards when he go to school, and I was actually training uh when dean took the school over i was actually running the school for a while so i was always around johnny so i got along with him i knew i took johnny for what johnny was the same way it would take vince for what vince is it's just all business you know what i mean they're good outside they ring but you know johnny was easier to be friends with Vince because vince is you know purely business you know but you know johnny he was all right you know um you know he just did what he had to do people do what they do i mean i don't judge you know people from who they what what they do is just who they are. You know what I mean. You accept it. You know if you know it like that, and you, you tend to hang out and you want to be around them and, and work with them. Then, then that's what you expect. And do you think Giant Baba was a better boss to work for than let's say Vince McMahon? Oh yeah, yeah, I think so. Like I just it's just different. It's just a whole different pride and honor thing. You know, hard work and and you know. I don't know. Giant Bob was the real boss. I think Mrs. Bob was the real boss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They would uh, we would do a three week three week tour, and then at the end of, at the end of the tour, they, they gave us four weeks pay. They give you a whole week bonus because they like you. You worked hard, you know. Now, it's just amazing. You know, you're trying to figure out how to sneak all these hundred dollar bills into the United States. You're like, Jesus, I don't know. <laughs> Is this even legal? You know, you don't know. I didn't, that's how green we were. We didn't know anybody. You know, and, um, but it was an amazing experience, and, and uh, I would change any of them, any, any direction, any route I went to the world. Yeah. And if I could just go back to the WBF, because, you know, we're talking about Baba and, you know, legends and stuff, and I, I, you got to talk about 
The Undertaker because he'd been there for so long, and obviously you guys crossed paths uh, quite a few times in, in WWF and on quite a few different runs. But as far as Taker's concerned, can you, you know, kind of put into words his longevity and maybe his his not even in front of the camera ability, but also hit him backstage and being the locker room leader that he is. Well, I, Taker was pretty much like like. Um, he was the general of the locker room. Nothing happened without him knowing what happened in that locker room. As you know, say Vince knew the whole company, and Taker knew the whole locker room for sure. Um, you know, he, he, the power he kind of had. You know, like Bradshaw was known to be a river. He'd rib everybody, JBL, just just terrify people. And he, he came up to me one day, and I go, "Oh, great, let's start now." And he goes, "I can't get the green light on you." I go, "What do you mean, Taker won't give a green light on you?" <laughs> I go, "What are you talking about?" He says, "I can't rib you, you son of a." You know, he said, he says, you're crazy and you're married to Luna. I don't know what you're doing. You might kill somebody. <laughs> but, but nothing went on without his say. He was a general. You know, he, he was, it was one of those unspoken things. He was the boss in that locker room, you know, and everybody respected him. And, you know, with the, the Undertaker, obviously, you know, there comes all the, the lineage and like 25 plus years in the ring and everything else. What's it like in the ring with Undertaker? Is he, you know, the same general? Yeah. Yeah, I know. He leads that match, you know. It's, it's his pace, you know. I don't know in these later WrestleManias and stuff and how things are going, but, like, when when I was there and the attitude there and stuff like that, you were nervous to get in there with him, but then once you got in there with him, it was all okay. He, he would lead it. And then afterwards, you take it to the back and say, hey, kid, you're, you're throwing my timing off or, this and that, never in a mean way, never, never, just like kind of a joking way. But but you got the point, you know. And so he's he's always, I've never heard him raise his voice, and I don't think he had to. Everybody had too much respect for him, you know, to even push him to where he would have to raise his voice. Hmm. It's almost like the uh, speak softly and carry a big stick uh, credo when it comes to a guy. Like The Undertaker, because everybody's got the stories about him, but what I think is pretty cool about what they did with The Undertaker is they brought you back in a few years after you had left the company, and they did a little bit of a reuniting of the Ministry of Darkness with you and uh, Big Viscera. And mm-hmm. what I think was kind of cool about that is the tie-in to the Ministry of Darkness, because it really had a good little run, um, but kind of, you know, there was some things that happened that, you know, kind of brought an end to the uh, the actual group, but uh, did you see a difference in the actual company between leaving, you know, late 99, 2000 into around 2005 and uh, doing that little short stint with the ministry? Yeah, and the difference, the company, yeah, it, it was totally changing, which 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 is uh, like what it comes to today. It was slowly heading that direction there um, uh, with the, like, I don't want to say corporate, but all the, all the, all the the the, the, guys, the younger guys as they were coming in, uh, into the job, and now 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 all these young guys. It's more more of a the attitude there guys. Uh, I hate to say it, but they were just wild, like the wild wild west, man. You know, they 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 they, they, were, they just were crazy as hell, man. They ran rampant, they partied hard, they did everything hard. And back when I went back, they was kind of quiet in the locker room. Nobody talked to each other. Uh, very segregated, very quickish, and then and even when I've we stepped back to visit a few times here and there, like last year's WrestleMania. Really, really changed. It's just, you know, all these guys wearing suits, nobody's talking. It just really just felt like a job or the attitude there was just like, it was just, uh, you know, I don't know if it's a it was a kick ass. You know, it was just a great time. Everybody was having fun and, and everybody was working hard and the product was good and the houses were good. And, 
now, now it's just a different. I mean, maybe it's just a different generation. You know, these kids are more video game and computer and this and that. Well, we we idolized all the guys in the eighties, right? And they were all wild men too. Right? So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are the, those were our mentors. Maybe they didn't mentor us so well. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely. I'm not saying it's wrong now. I'm not saying it's wrong to be, you know, go to your room and play uh, whatever video games are popular now. (laughs) I'm just saying it's different, though. It's definitely different. Well, it's yeah, it's a changing of the guard because obviously, like your school, you guys are trained by, you know, like the like you said, the generation that we all watched. Those are the guys that like they they broke their backs getting the business to where it was when you were getting in. But now, you know, the kids that are getting into the business now, they're looking back 10 years and they're seeing, you know, another uh, group, group of people that you helped kind of indoctrinate into television. And it's guys like, you know, like a Jeff Hardy who's, you know, doing these crazy still, these crazy bumps off the top of cages and they're seeing all these high spots and things of that nature. But in 2005, uh, when you're signed and coming back to OVW, um, what was going down with that? Was that something that you were going to be brought back again as Gangrel to television, or was it something that they really wanted to help, uh, you know, get you down there, maybe build uh, some of those rookies up and get that veteran presence in the uh, um, developmental system? To be honest, I have no idea. They, uh, I think Kevin was, uh, was Kevin already working as a vampire then? He was on his way to being there. It was kind of the transition between the Mordecai mm-hmm. character and Kevin Thorne. Yeah, because see, you know, I was there in uh in OVW. Oh no, actually, when I was in Deep South, they 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 didn't want me to do the vampire thing. In OVW, I'm not sure what what they wanted. Uh, Deep South, I actually uh, went on my own all the time. I wasn't even supposed to be there. OVW, they sent me there for like three weeks here and there, and uh, I'm not even sure what what it was. I think they just it was uh they said they were going to use me, put me in the tag with Victor, and, and then that that never happened. They pushed them off into a single right away, and then. I don't know, they would just send me to OVW here and there. I mean, and I just don't work out. <laughs> not sure. We're sure of it. I'm really, honestly, just very confused with all that. I, but I'm, I'm a guy that doesn't question anything. All I want to do is keep asking to get back to wrestling. I want to wrestle. I want to wrestle, you know. And they're like, ah, you know. And then, then they let me go. And then, then they hired me back again. And I was just sitting home. And they told me, you're, oh, you have to do the ECW thing. And that's when Kevin was out. Uh, they went ahead and put him on it. Originally, they told me I was coming in, and then Kevin and Shelly were to come in, and we were going to be like the faction. But it never, it didn't pan out like that. And then, uh, so when I was in Steve uh, South, I came in on my own to do the shows. You know, I was under contract, so I would just drive up because I wanted to work. And um, and I know then they said, oh no, we already got a vampire. Got to work with Dave Heath. You know, so I was just working under my name. I was just like whatever. I just I just wanted to be able to be in the ring. You know, so I, I could have just sat home collecting a check, but. I just really I didn't, you know, I didn't get into wrestling for money. I, I, it, it just became, I stayed, I I got into it originally thinking, oh, I can make money, and I realized, well, that's not that, and then I fell in love with it, and it was just a passion after that. I never thought I could make any money, but it just kept falling into the right places, you know. I, I, Puerto Rico didn't make a fortune working in Memphis all the time. It didn't, but the Japan trips, like, all Japan was great. And WWE came along, and then, and, um, you know, I made some money then, but I did, never really expected it. I accepted it that it was just going to be for the love of it and the passion and everything else was a bonus. Yeah, I told I mean, like, you know, like we said, you know, you're still really, you're, you're busting it every weekend and you really, you know, I see, you know, we see the pictures on social media and this is where, you know, if you can see the pictures of what, you know, the concept of you and Kevin as a team were was, you know, they've been circulating the last couple of days as this match is building up. But, 
you know, when you think about, you know, what you've done in the business so far up to that point, and then, you know, you again leave the company, you do your own thing, but then you come back again a few years later and you do a raw 15th anniversary, you know, 15 years at that point was a lot, and now we've, we've moved ahead almost 10 from that, but did again, did the company change after a three, four-year hiatus, and, and is it something that, you know, to somebody getting into the business that they'll never know what the old school WWE, WWF was like? Yeah, I, I don't think they know unless they are running around Memphis with Chase Stevens or something like that. <laughs> He's about the closest thing to what the attitude era was like. But um, no, I don't think they'll know. I, I don't. I don't think. Um, man, I don't know. No, I, I don't think they'll ever see the the things that, that they, they just can't. They're too corporate now. There, there's no way they're gonna see the things I saw or, or the things I experienced. You know, they, they'll get that rock star feel and, and you know you know go everywhere and that, that all that stuff, but. But the more darker stuff and the more wild side stuff, they they won't know that. It's way too controlled. It's way different now. So and you know maybe it's for the better. You know saving lives. You know what I mean. You know it was getting bad there. People, you know every time we turned around, somebody was passing away. You know so you know I'm not knocking it at all. You know I'm just just saying it's different. You know. Yeah, without a doubt. And you know of course we're gonna uh, mention it uh, now because uh, you know you mentioned her twice. Of course the late, great Luna Vachon, you know, your wife. And I don't know if a lot of fans really can appreciate what she really provided in professional wrestling. She was awesome. I remember going to independent shows. Um, I don't know if it was during the time with the WWF or right afterwards, but just the fact that she could just captivate a crowd and just get them going. Um, what do you think that today's fan needs to learn about Luna Vachon looking back? Because she really was just an absolute trailblazer. Well, she was the, the the epitome of like love pro wrestling. That that was her that was her mistress. Wrestling was her mistress, you know. Um, you know, like we were married, but she would she would consider like she was cheating on me with pro wrestling, and I would cheat on her with pro wrestling. I mean, that's how much she loved it, and she would do anything for wrestling. And and wrestling never, um, to be honest, it was never fair or kind to her. She was always one sided and open for wrestling, but it. It, she just took a beating in it, and like WWF, particularly, they never really gave her much of anything. You know, they, they really just made her feel bad all the time, and they would come in there. And she was in the era where she was very old school, being trained by Mula and coming up, you know, the hard way, and, and the hard way that the old girls like uh, uh, Rock and Robin and, and Leilani Kai, and all, all the, that those girls came through and stuff like that. Didn't Luna was still like. Kind of where I was at, at its age. Here it goes. It's another change here. Now it's shifting this direction with uh, pretty girls, pin-up girls, Barbie doll girls. You know, like the the diva type of girls. And so for her to to see wrestling change, where like a girl that couldn't know, know a headlock from a wristwatch, you know, was going to get a title put on her when all she did was she came from a second generation family, bled wrestling, cried wrestling, lived, laughed it, loved it, hated, heard it. You know, everything pro wrestling. Very, very hard for her to, to to accept, but she still loved wrestling that much. She tried to make it work and 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 go sisters, but she never got an ounce of credit for it here and there. I think Medusa might have thrown her a tiny shot out of the Hall of Fame last year, and that was good because she didn't have to do that because nobody really wants to bring her name up. And then with her passing and stuff like that, it, 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 like the way she did, it, it, it was just another one of those ones they wanted to just sweep under the rug and kind of forget about, you know. She definitely was uh, one of the all-time greats and, and definitely the anti-diva and, and, you know, gave more to the wrestling business than, you know, like you said, than they, she gave to her. But I remember 
it was a weird segment. She was in the WWF, but I guess I don't. You were technically under contract, but you would always have matches as like the quote unquote the Black Phantom. But Still, you remember Black when Phantom. they? Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember when they filmed that segment? It was I forget what it was called, like Wedding to a Vampire or something like that. Do you remember that, how that whole thing got set up? Um, they just they they yeah. Actually, we got married, and they were like, "Why didn't you tell us you were getting married? We would have sent camera crews down there and everything." So. They just tried to last minute pick up on all, all the stuff that, that, that we had got married, you know, and play off it a little bit. I don't I don't know why they did that. Uh, they didn't have to. I don't know if they just needed some content to fill <laughs> that mania show in the morning. I don't know what it was, but uh they they did they did send send the crew there to film some of the some of the uh you know, uh, uh, the after fact of, of the wedding because it had already happened and um yeah, but yeah, but she was with the I think she might have they put with Bigelow shortly after that, or was she with Bigelow? I can't remember even that far back then, but but yeah. Um, they, yeah, they, like I said, they didn't want to use a vampire thing, so I was never there. So I was surprised that David put it over though. Yeah, right. You weren't like technically under contract, right? As the Black Phantom, you just had no, not back then. That was '93. No, I was I was in Memphis and stuff like that in '94. No, I was not. No, they fly me everywhere. They just. Um, I was working like all the TVs. I'd come in and either work with the Black Phantom or, or even under uh, uh, my name, David Heath. They were flying me to TVs and sit there for a while. All I had to do was sit in a gorilla position and um, be on standby to get people tryout matches. <laughs> Just, you know, but I wanted more. I wanted more, and I was trying to get in with ECW. And at the time, I didn't. Um, uh, they were like, "Hey, we need to just start flying in on 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 uh, Saturday nights now." instead of on Sundays for the TVs and stuff like that, so they're asking me to come early. They told me I had to make a choice, and I was trying to do stuff with ECW, so I made the choice to go with ECW. A little bit I know that they were merging, kind of like the Johnny Ace thing when he was on the WWF. They, they merged, and uh, so it caught me a little heat there for a while, cause it, uh, but, but then I went on and did my own thing, went to Japan, and I don't know why I was on that tour, you know. It's just, I always had a weird route with them about how things went down, stuff like that, but Never had a contract with them until actually '98. Uh, I guess the the Black Phantom. I don't know. Maybe a playoff of the Black Hearts. I guess. I mean, it, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I was still mad at the Black Heart stuff. I still couldn't let stuff go from like '89 and '90. So I was trying to, I was trying to kill the gimmick off as the Black Phantom, but it didn't work. People actually liked the Black Phantom too. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it might be in the the, the WB encyclopedia, so it might be a a, a good uh, autograph uh, for you know some of the. Ah, oh, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, that'd be an interesting one. Yeah. <laughs> but in ECW, did did you you like the atmosphere there? Because it was kind of a wild and crazy time, and obviously. Ah, uh, I was worse than the uh, I was worse than the attitude. I've never seen such crap in a locker room. <laughs> I walked in and I was like, oh, I'll be fighting for my life in here because they're, they're complete opposite to me. <laughs> uh, that was they were uh, yeah it, it was wild but the atmosphere the wrestling atmosphere and, and the vibe the the, the the difference they were how they stood out and it was just again it was a perfect storm for them in wrestling and everything at that time and just just Joey Styles Tommy Dreamer and bringing in guys that could actually uh, they actually had wrestlers that could wrestle and you know like you know. Uh, I mean, Jerry Lynn and some of those matches he had and stuff like that. So they had such a good mixture of everything and violence, and, and, and it was way cutting edge, you know, and uh, those was just the perfect storm of its era, too. And it was awesome. It was, 
glad to see it uh, get it evolved up and engulfed by uh, WWF at some point there, or WWE, whatever it was at the time. But uh, but it, 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 I think it was a great, great. I thought it was great for wrestling. I enjoyed it. Um, whether I belong there or not, I, I have no idea. I mean, it could have fit in, I suppose. But uh, just uh, it, it was great. I think it was great for wrestling. I think it was great for the wrestling fans. It gave them something. Some people, you know, the wrestling fans are made up of all different genres of people all over the world. Different like different things. Like it was so sad when they bought WCW because it took people's choice away. You know, people like to choose. You know, they like to have a favorite company or a favorite football team or their favorite wrestler. They, they like choices, but when you just give them one main product and, you know, and you take your crap on all the other ones because you bought them up, it just it, it kind of hurts your feelings, and I think it hurt wrestling. That is uh, so true, and obviously, you know, it's the old adage that people say now is, you know, less people watch wrestling than ever before, and, you know, it definitely has a part to do with that ECW and WCW don't exist, and there's not, you know, not a lot of other choices as far as, you know, uh, mainstream TV is concerned, but did you actually at one point try to jump on and get into WCW as well? Uh, yeah, actually, a lot of people don't know this, but I actually signed a contract with them and I quit. <laughs> Just, oh, wow. I, in 93, uh, uh, going, uh, late 93, I was coming back from Memphis and they sent me to the power plant. And I was in there. I hadn't been home. I've been in Memphis for like seven months. I hadn't gone home. And I went straight to the power plant and, uh, was in there. I just I had the flu and this and this and that. And, and they, they, uh, I had thin skin. They called me. Fat. I had signed a contract and I asked, them, so why, why did, why was I in there? And they, they said, you're a fat kid. <laughs> you're still fat. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> and it, I was just, I don't know. I wasn't feeling good that day. I literally packed up everything and left and went home. <laughs> the next morning, I said, the hell with you guys. <laughs> like, I was like, why did you do that? I wasn't thinking, you know, it's one of those, you know, they ask you about those mistakes you make, but I, I wouldn't change it. But I went back later and was, uh, you know, working for the Universal Studios and stuff like that. And they, they would give me competitive matches, but they were just still squash matches, basically, and, you know, in the long run. And I had a lot of people pulling for me, and, and they, they were like, no, they, they didn't forget about it. But then once I went to WWF and, and they, they heard I was starting to sign, they, they uh, sent an offer, but it was literally, literally like the day after I signed with WWE. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, so it was like, I think they all work together to rib you, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, um, I guess you were doing like uh, worldwide and like shows like that, basically, at Universal Studios. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Working like Mysterio when he came in, or heck, who was like Greg Dan or Valentine, or Dimalinko, Good matches, you know. And they were they were a little bit more competitive. They wasn't like they just beat on you, you know. You actually wrestled and stuff like that. So it was it was a good experience. But yeah, I I had tried. I, I but I got heat there for being stupid, you know. And you learn. And you know, I try to teach people through my lessons and stuff. That's why I tell the stories, you know. And that's when I'm teaching classes and training guys and stuff like that. I'm, I'm, I try to let them learn through my mistakes so they don't experience the pain I felt, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Now, one thing that I really wanted to talk to you about, I mean, we we're talking about your career in the WWF, talking about you know, some time you spent in ECW, even some WCW stuff, and obviously wrestle around the world, but specifically to the WWE side of things and the, the libraries that they own, and obviously now they have the WWE Network. We talked to Kevin Thorne about it. We talked to uh, Buff Bagwell about it. We talked to Shane Douglas about it. 
and they all kind of had the same opinion on the network is that, yes, their likeness is being shown, and yes, you know, their footage is being shown, and they're on their stuff, but they're not seeing any sort of, you know, royalty checks or anything from it. What's your opinion on the whole WWE Network royalties, you know, somewhat controversy? Well, yeah, I mean, it's con- I guess it could be controversy. I just weighed it out and go, well, the royalties are going to be a whole lot more, but, but being on that network, I think, is a big part of why I stay so busy because you're fresh and you're new to new, the newer kids and the new people are so seeing something and if they see you giving it's kind of cool it's giving you longevity and youth to be able to go out there and still work so you know you're weighing it out going well it's obviously getting me some more work here because I'm, I'm just slammed ever since the network came out I've been slammed um, and, and uh, so yeah they're getting away with something on you but in the long run it's working for me on the back end I'm finding a positive in it you know Absolutely, that's a you know great way to look at it, um, you know, from that aspect. But a lot of the guys are saying, as far as you know, like DVDs used to be a big thing, or even you know VHS or pay per view. But you know, there's no pay per view obviously anymore. There's no D- well, DVD mm-hmm. is still there, but it's kind of dying out. But, but see, with me on the royalties and stuff like that, uh, to go back on things, you see, they don't own the name Gangrel. So mm-hmm. like my name is put on a lot of things like these other guys, like Shane Douglas or. Or, or different guys would have collected a lot more money on royalties than I do because they 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 messed up when they when they put that name on me and it was copywritten with White Wolf, which was a role playing game like Masquerade for Dungeon. It's like a Dungeons and Dragons for vampires mm-hmm. and stuff role playing. So they had to lease the name for those five years. So when those my those as soon as that the uh, the the lease was up, I was up. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And um. You know, uh, and then it, that you mentioned the wrong anniversary, the 15th anniversary. I went back to do that, and it sparked a big thing where the where the company White Wolf sold to somebody else, but they tried to sue WWE for um, five million dollars for that that 15th anniversary show. And Vince was like, "I'm not doing that." And when it all went to court, it turns out when the, when the judge hit the gavel, he said, "Well, the guy that's been wrestling with Gangrel for the last 15 years or whatever years it is, he or 10 years, he's he's Gangrel," you know. That doesn't count in all these different, there's so many different licensing rules and, and stuff like that. So WWE won't even touch touch the name Gangrel or mention that, you know. You know. You, you'll see if in the encyclopedias they change the name to David Heath. Hmm. So so royalties were never going to be a big deal for me. So like it's a win for me on a network off working-wise because I wasn't going to get it anyway. Hmm. Gotcha. That's very interesting. Didn't really realize that, and I didn't realize that it was such a controversy or a hot-button topic within WWE as far as lawyers getting involved. Yeah, I've always, always, any time I mention to come do something, it takes two weeks of lawyers or something <laughs> to, to run things through. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, yeah, that's why, um, you know, there's no, you know, I won't be, you won't see me doing Lexus contracts, or you won't see, like, the, uh, like THQ, I don't know how, they got it where they could get in that one, the one last game a few years back, but they were they were going out of business. To, they knew that they were going to be bankrupt anyway, so they, I think they didn't care, and they, they just did what they had to do because they knew the company was full of them. So it was like, a, it was like their one-off, like, F you to everybody, you know, because, <laughs> you know, WWE dropped them and went with the other contract, you know, that very next the next the next game. So, so yeah, so, like, yeah, I, I'm not going to see any kind of action like that anyways one way or another, so... I haven't paid so much to the B for the controversy of the other guys. I just saw the positive in my image still being shown. So uh, new to a younger audience and refreshed to the older audience. I might have forgotten. 
Thatcher, I guess it's always good in, in a way, you know, to keep the name out there and keep it fresh and, and to keep it going. But outside of actually wrestling, you know, we, we recently talked to Garrett Bischoff, and obviously if you watch WBTV, you know, Rusev, both guys trained by, or under your tutelage also with Rikishi, but you talk a little bit about Knox Pro and some of the training you're doing over there. Yeah, well, I was over there. I'm I'm in Florida now. I just moved back to Florida. So I was out there seven years. I started in school with uh, Reno and Hawaii, which is uh, Rikishi's cousin. Rikishi was in Vegas, and then um, he was living in Vegas. So it was me and Reno. We started the school. Kishi's there now. He's been there strong the last two years. But yeah, Rusev came through there. Uh, Garrett was in there for a while. He had, he had he had a lot of the kid had some hops and a lot of talent potential. So I'm glad he went on to do something. I think the Nasty Boys might have finished training him at some point there. But um, Rusev, yeah, he was he was one of the best students you could ever have. That guy never missed a class. You know, he slept in the parking lot. We had morning classes and night classes. <laughs> That he would literally like work three jobs, and in between his jobs, he'd sleep in the parking lot so he wouldn't miss a class. You know, he, he, he was just a tremendous. He was just a blessing of a student. And I'm not scrolling. They're, they're rolling strong. I, I've come back to Florida, do all my family's here and stuff like that. So I've come back. I go back and forth. I'll be out there in April for them. And I think they're doing some stuff at WrestleMania weekend out there. They're running the, the shows because they started a company called the Territory League. There's Territory League, and then there's Pro. So they're still they're still making noise out there. They're still uh. They're still trying to do big things, and Keisha's—he's full into it now, 24/7 out there now. So, I, I think they even just shot their own movie out there just recently. So, they're, they're very busy, and they're doing—they're trying to do big things out there and keeping it moving. And as we yeah hit the wind down button and uh, you know uh, go towards the end here, I always am very curious, uh, especially guys like you, like we mentioned before. I mean. You wrestled all Japan against all those guys. I mean, the Hansons and, and the Gordys and the Williams and Kawada and the Sawa. I mean, there's um, all these amazing guys. And, of course, you mentioned uh, Furnace and Crawford. But, oh, and we didn't even really talk about uh, – I know we mentioned them briefly, but even in um, USWA down there in Memphis, Tennessee, you uh, mm-hmm. you know had a big-time uh, little feud there with Jerry Lawler, who obviously is you know the king of Memphis. Uh, oh, yeah. you, wrestled, uh, you wrestled Jeff Jerry. I mean, so many good, amazing guys, and of course your WWF run. But do you have a favorite match, or maybe a couple favorite matches in your career besides the Furnace and Crawford match? Um, yeah, besides like, uh, besides like Japan, uh, I I don't know. I I really enjoyed. I mean, I really enjoyed working the Hardys with Edge as a tag team partner. I, I mean, I couldn't single you out one match because I enjoyed all of it with those with that combination. It was just such a good. Good mixture and quick. Um, Matt Hardy in the singles in Orlando. Not too many people seeing it. I don't know. And TV it actually aired on, but uh, I remember really, really, really liking that match. I really liked working Matt because Matt was Matt. Matt Matt was more of a stronger style. So if you went hard with him, he went hard back with you. You know, he he'd club at you too. So um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that match, but I couldn't tell you when or what it was or nothing. There was nothing fancy that stood out on pay-per-views or nothing like that, you know. <laughs> now, as far as out there in Portland, I know you said you were there recently. Are you still the current WCWC world champ? No, no, I don't have I don't have any of the WCWC belts on me now uh, or, or, or the uh, uh, Paragon Pro Wrestling belts, the PVW out of Vegas, that one. They they were on the pop channel for a while, and then TNA's on top now. So 
think they're on like the Madison Square Garden Network and a few other things now, and they're trying to negotiate to get uh, you know, the TV thing going. But no, I don't. I don't have any any, any belts on me now. But I'm still on the, on the current roster, and I'm working every TV, every match. <laughs> you know, I'm still there uh, once a month for each company, each of the companies. And do you have a favorite? opponent? I mean, just been so many guys that we mentioned, it's crazy, but is there somebody that really sticks out that you just had great chemistry with that immediately you know, you guys knew as soon as you locked up that this was going to be a great match? You know, people find this odd enough, but one of the guys that I had best chemistry with and that I enjoyed wrestling all the time was Steve Blackman. (laughs) (laughs) And nobody wanted to wrestle him. I have no idea, but it it always had, you know, I always enjoyed my matches with him. it always just seemed like it flowed. I, I have no idea why. I can't tell you why, but people are always baffled when I tell them that. But yeah, the old lethal weapon there. <laughs> That's so funny. That's the first time we heard that answer. A lot, it's weird. A lot of the random answers, which were you know, good answers to some of the guys, was like, you know, like oh, Brad Armstrong is a great worker. That's the first time. Yeah, I never get to wrestle Brad Armstrong. Black. That would have been awesome, though. <laughs> <laughs> a dream match, if we had. But never heard Blackman before. That, that's an interesting one. Yeah, I mean, I was. Yeah, it, it, everybody, everybody's baffled when, when I when I when I say that. But um, yeah, I really enjoyed wrestling him, and um, you know, I like enjoyed wrestling Jericho or uh, you know, Demolinko. I mean, th- th- those are givens, you know. But 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 Blackman, yeah, Blackman, I had chemistry with. What was it about Blackman you guys mesh so well together? Is it because he's a little bit? You know, it's stiffer, especially with his style and stuff, and you're used to that from, let's say, all Japan. Ma, he was never even he was never even snug. I mean, if anything, he was calling me that all the time. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> uh, I don't know, but complete opposites. I I could tell you what it is. I think maybe maybe because it is more of a, a choppier style, you know, like a, a like a Japan type of thing. You know, you know, I, like I really like those kind of matches. I don't really. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I love wrestling, all aspects and all style of matches, but I, I really like the Japan style. I, I like a back and forth, and I like strong style and stuff like that. I still, to this day, would rather, uh, you know, do that over, you know, oh, yay, clap your hands, and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> you know, I like to just go out, go hard, and leave it all in the ring, you know, and, and that's what I enjoy. And, but back then, yeah, I, maybe, maybe it was because it was not so choreographed out. It was just kind of a back and forth type of thing. Who knows? It just it just felt okay with him. It always just turned out okay. And as far as like your favorite places to work, I know obviously WWF is gonna stick out you know to everyone out there because of they know Gangrel, they you know they they know gimmick, they they know the entrance and then the awesome theme music and everything else that went so together you know, so well together. But was your favorite time was was it in Japan? Was that your favorite you know time you had in the actual business? Yeah, I'd say Japan was like the favorite place to work. But the most sentimental place for me is Puerto Rico, because um, that's where I started the the vampire character. At, you know, it's the first place that I hired it, and uh, it, I went there <laughs> and, and worked down there, and then I left and went to WWE. And then went back in to work a show for Carlos, and I, th- I think it was under contract with WWE, WWF at the time. Went back for Carlos and was in one uh, Bayamon Stadium wrestling. And I remember the referee saying, "Look up in the stands." And when I looked up in the stands, it was a huge banner, 
and it, it was a uh, Gangrel Puerto Rico song. It was like the the fans. It just touched me, you know, because they, mm. they treated me so good on an island. And anytime I've ever gone back to the island, the fans they still remember. And it was like it was like the the character started there and it, it grew there, and you know, it came from there. So, um, you know, so sentimental lines like my heart. I'm always really touched when I go back there. But but for for matches and and, and just wrestling periods, it's all Japan by far. What are those crowds like there in Puerto Rico? Because you always hear the stories that they're just wild and crazy. You know, it's like you know they quote unquote still think it's real. You know, they were like so intense that you know, they would storm oh. the ring and throw rocks and stuff. Well, they threw rocks. They threw those fruit things actually that were like little friggin' golf balls. <laughs> I remember my first day there. Um, you know, I was working here and everything. I was trying, I'm trying to leave Tiki Star as a manager. And all, all the people at the back door, he couldn't get out, and he pulled his gun out and fired around off in the air, so the parking lot was scattered. <laughs> he could get to the cars. You know, it was like, I'm like, wow. You know, it was just crazy, you know. But they were, they were fanatics. You know, they either loved you or they hated you. They, you know, they were in, they were all, they were all in or they were all out, you know. And, and it was just, um, you know, in the stadiums when, 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 when you get in the heat and the baby face is coming back on you and all you hear is, wow, wow. Wow, and they're all right, right in the same pitch and the same tone, and you hear it, you know, the match is going good, you know, you got them. And, and uh, you know, there they still, when I was there, you know, the, the heel locker room was across the building, and the, the face locker room was the other side. You didn't, you can talk to them, you just went out there and wrestled, you got to finish, and went out there and worked, you know. And uh, I think it was awesome, that, you know, the KFA was so strong, and then I, I wish it, you know, I kind of wish it would still. Be a lot like that. And I wish territories were still here. I think territories are awesome, and and there's some really good things. Uh, you know, I hear out there trying to start up through Tennessee and different things, and people doing stuff. And uh, I, I think wrestling's gonna. I think you're gonna see more little regional type things pop up, and, and I'm very excited for that. That that you know, I think that the big the big beast is it's run its course. You know, it's not ever gonna go away. It's always gonna be the main event, the circus, the big tent. You know, the big top. But uh, I think you're going to see the little, little ones start popping back up, and I think you're going to see them surviving. And, and I'm very excited about that. And I'm excited for people that are coming to the business uh, after this generation, if, they, if it does, and they, they get to uh, experience, you know, being on the road trip and have stories. Like, I remember me and Luna pawning our, our spare tire just to get gas money to make it to the next town so we can get there to get money to eat, go back and get our tire on the pawn shop, you know, for 20 bucks, <laughs> you know. I mean, the, the, these are the things you need to uh, uh, build character and, and make you appreciate it when you do make it to the show or the circus. You know what I mean? You, you, you know, you, you, you've you've lived your life. You, you appreciate every 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 dime you make or every bump you take. It, it means something, you know. And, and you know, it gives you a story, it gives you character, and uh, I miss it. And I'm really looking forward, to hoping those days do come back. I mean, they'll never be what they were. They'll never have the UWF and the Mid Atlantic and you know. Portland or you know all that stuff, they're, but they're trying, and I, and I really think it, it, it'll come back in a small way. But I think it'll be back, and it's gonna give a lot of these younger kids something something to do. Where they're not just like, oh, it's next, or I'm gonna kill myself. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it'll give them somewhere to work, and I, I really hope it all works out. I really hope I'm right about it. Definitely. Do you think that almost maybe a little bit to the territory days? Because it seems like the independents, there's a bunch that are popping over all over the map. That kind of had a big fan base. I mean, obviously, WWF is the big dog, but less and less people are watching them. But you still see a pretty good amount of fan bases all around the U.S. as far as these little independent groups. Would you, you know, would you think maybe a little bit Territory Days coming back? 
That's what I'm saying. I'm hoping, not. and that's what I'm, I'm thinking it's going to uh, a little bit. Like Portland, they're steady trying to do something, and just Tennessee, they're, they're building something. Then you got, you know, you know, Ring of Honor and all them. They could build, you know, they're, they're traveling and doing stuff. But I mean, that's not so much like our territory. They kind of jump all over the place. But in the Northeast, they would be. It, it, would be the hub, I suppose. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, I do. I do think. I do think that. I do believe that it's going to come back. Not like it used to be, but enough that it'll be a difference. Now we always we've said you know we've established very well that you know you're an innovator when it comes to the actual vampire being brought into professional wrestling. But what we like to end it with is when you close the book on your career. And you really you look back on what you did. What do you think Gangrel's legacy would be in professional wrestling? Uh, well, I mean, uh, uh, I don't even I, I wouldn't even know what to say or think about it because I just I, I take it day by day. I never thought I'd be wrestling this long or wrestling would uh, would have done the things I've done in pro wrestling. Um, I just want to be honest. Legacy is I want to be able to give back to the younger guys through training and give them a chance to actually learn the art and, and, and get a good foundation in wrestling, not to get past go and see some of the stuff you're seeing on TV now. Um, but just really, about wrestling's kind of gone. It, it's not, you know, I wasn't the greatest or the or flashiest or this and that. I had a character that, that stuck and, 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 and it was cool and it worked and stuff like that. But I really want to give back and um, become a decent trainer and stuff like that and really give to, to young guys in wrestling. So. That's very well said. And, of course, we set it up the top, and this coming Sunday, March 13th in Hanahan, South Carolina, Old School Championship Wrestling presents its 10th anniversary show featuring a first-ever main event of Vampire vs. Vampire, Kevin Thorne versus Gangrel. You can go to OSCWonline.com for more information about that, and you can go to OSCW29445 a heck of a number on Twitter. If you want to learn more about getting tickets for this awesome event, a huge way to end your Sunday. But please, Gangrel, if you could share with the listeners of the two-man power trip of wrestling, any other place that they'd be seeing you in a town near them? I know you got a busy weekend coming up in New Jersey. Yeah, I'm in New Jersey. I, I can't even name uh, all the all – I, I, I don't even know what companies there are there, but I'll be, I'll be all throughout New Jersey. I'll be in Queens, New York, Saturday morning. Um, uh, I'm in Altoona, Pennsylvania next weekend, and I'm in uh, Stanford, or not, I'm somewhere in Danbury, Connecticut next weekend, too. Um, after that, I'm back off to, gosh, I don't know, somewhere in Portland. <laughs> I don't know. I'm all over, man. I, I can't even keep track myself. But if you can, you can just, uh, if you, you know, usually I'm, I'm one of those guys that post way too much on social media, so you can always find me on Gang Girl David Heath or whatever on Gang Girl 13 on Instagram, and you usually can find what I'm doing on Instagram. Awesome. Very good. And, of course, best of luck to you.